You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Morning, Perth. Welcome to 107.9 Radio Fremantle's The World Football Programme. You've got Huey in the chair. And joining me in the studio today is the legend that is Vince Matassa and from WWW Next Goal Wins, Jim Webb. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today? Yeah, lovely to be here. Thanks very much, Huey. Yeah, thanks for the invite. My pleasure. Uh, as uh, those who are regular listeners will know, it's a good thing that Huey has some wingmen today because, quite frankly, he just panics for the sake of it. We'd like to thank our partners who allow this show to be on air every Saturday morning from 10 till 12. That is Futsal WA. Greg Farrell has the biggest and best futsal competition in Perth. Sign up now to get your team in the Superliga. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron for custom steel and aluminium front fencing and gates and gate automation, which you can also get from Gate and Fence Hardware WA for all your materials and hardware. We thank those sponsors for allowing us this opportunity to talk football. Gentlemen, not much has been happening. We're going to be, what, dead air for the next two hours? What what can you tell me? Tiny tournament somewhere, isn't it? There's a tiny one somewhere, (laughs) I'm sure it is. Uh, Good news is... For Millwall fans and West Brom fans like uh, Jim and myself, championships back on. Well, we actually played last week as well. Did, so, where? Yeah, we, we played Sunderland away last week in a rearranged game for win the Queen. Did Bike. you really? Yeah, it was it was a, an agreement that if both teams could could fit it in during the World Cup because they didn't lose yeah. any players, then yeah, they could play their game. So we uh, yeah we travelled up to Sunderland last uh, Saturday. How'd you go? Yeah, there was a game of three goals and we didn't get any of them. So, well, that doesn't help me. We've got Sunderland uh, on Monday, so, you know, that's, that's not good for, for us. Um, Vince, games last night, mate. Yeah, I tell you, it's a, good, it's a good time to be a football supporter, isn't it? You know, it's, it's really just taken the attention of, of the whole public in Australia, obviously, with, with the Socceroos doing so well. But even, even the games last night, 
uh, among some of my friends who aren't, you know, necessarily natural football supporters, yeah. they, they know what's going on. They can name, you know, some of the players now. It's 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 fantastic. And they yeah, can name some of the night. players. Yep, you Turn know, it it's really we've moved on now. It's it's good. So. Yeah, really exciting, really exciting, and I'm, you know, have, I've got a bit of a soft spot for, for Messi in Argentina, so I'm, I'm breathing a sigh of relief after this morning's game. Yeah, I well, want to that, see them that get being there. Said, yeah. We um, were speaking off air, Jim and myself, about um, penalty taking. Now, obviously, in your position as keeper, what what would be your um, best thought process? Because there's been a lot of stick, and it's only just happened about um, Neymar taking the fifth which ultimately didn't happen, the fifth penalty. Would you much rather see, as a keeper, the best penalty uh, taker in the opposition taking the first one or the last of the five? Yeah, I think I think it's a mistake, and I think most people would agree that having your best penalty taker at number five is, is not the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly the teams I played in, the majority of the time it was either first or, or fourth often because the fourth one could, yeah. could potentially be the decider. Um, but you notice Messi step up and he's, yeah. he's, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say he is the best penalty taker, but he certainly was prepared to take responsibility yeah. and, and was number one, and, and that just set the tone. And I think, you know, obviously, penalty shirts are... 99% mental yep. um, in the head. And if, if you can get off to a good start, if the keeper can save the first penalty, it just makes it so much easier for everyone else. So, I, I'm, yeah, I think it was a mistake by yeah. Neymar. We saw that with Croatia with Modric stepping up to take the first one as well. But to get onto that game, um, you would have been super happy that the, the player of the match was the, the Croatian keeper, uh, Livakovic. I mean, he... Played an absolute blind. Saved the first two in the penalty shootout as well. So yeah, and he's not, he doesn't. I mean, these days the keepers are all six foot four, <laughs> six foot five plus, big big units and intimidation. He's a throwback, a bit like the Leeds keeper at the moment, Messilia, I think it is. You know, you just not a lot of him. He looks about twenty years old. I, <laughs> I did check. He's twenty eight, so he has been around a bit. But um, yeah, really, just impeccable he was and has been at the whole tournament. You see, and you know, as the game was going, I was thinking he might win goalkeeper of the tournament if if they get through, and they did. It's just. Uh, it's amazing, but yeah, it shows. It's it's for him. It wasn't about presence or anything like that. He just uh, got it right yesterday. Did everything right. Yep. Uh, fantastic performance. Yeah, we got uh, guests on the show, so it's not just going to be the, the three of us, which we which it could be. I mean, quite quite easily it could be the three of us just talking about football for the next two hours. But we got guests Zach Walker, who has uh, a thirty year history in football, including seven years in the MLS. He'll be joining us around about ten thirty. If I can get the technology to work, and those, again, regular listeners out there will go, yeah, well, I'm going to cross my fingers with you, uh, Huey, because the chances of that happening, this will be our first international phone call on the World Football Programme, so great that uh, I get that opportunity to stuff it up first time. Uh, Then we'll have Molly Appleton joining us in the second hour our favourite Tasmanian reporter from The Advocate. She's going to talk all things A-League, W-League. She'll obviously have a chat to us about the World Cup and the Women's World Cup coming up. And we will finish the show with the Perth Glory captain, Tash Rigby, who is currently at training. So if that one does fall over, uh, that'll be because Tash is still a bit busy. But Vince assures me that training should be light today with the game on tomorrow. What else do we want to have a chat about? The A-League is back. So, did we catch the the game last night? Brisbane Roar against uh, Adelaide United. I have to be nice, distracted by the other games. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it is it is, and a lot of people have talked about you know this this being the opportunity for the A League to take a jump forward. Yep, there's been a few of them in the past, and it hasn't necessarily stuck. But there is a real buzz around at the moment, and, and with seven or eight A League players having been in that squad. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
it, it is it is interesting to see how much publicity can we get the crowds back to some of these teams that are struggling not all the teams are mind you i mean Mel- melbourne victory have got great crowds western sydney seem to be getting back to yep. where they were back yep. in their stadium and a lot of it is to do with the stadiums yeah, yeah. Uh, which you know is obviously a pretty sensitive point here in perth yes it is uh, um we can talk yeah. about that one if you like uh, because the, the the revamped macedonia park which and i'll put my hand up was one of the uh the, the ones that had a great uh, fear that that wasn't going to be fit for purpose has turned out to be an absolute treat. Um, I mean, that's the boutique stadium, maybe with a, a, a larger capacity, if we could, that, that we'd be looking for. How, how do you see that going there? Like you said, with the, with the stadium situation, Jim. Yeah, I was a bit sceptical at first, yeah. like yourself, you know, but looking at the pictures of what they've done and obviously with the grass, I always think a stadium looks good when the grass looks good as well. And that's not and always that, been the case at Macedonia Park. It looks good, the stadium looks good. Hmm. Drawback, public transport, yep. get in there, especially Parking. for people south of the river sure. as well. It's, it's you know, it's train to Stirling and it's half hour walk. There are talk of buses going on, but yeah. oh, you're going to have to drive and yeah, it's 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 probably perfect for what's needed now, but is it perfect for what's needed in the future? Mm-hmm. Probably not. And yeah, I think we're desperately trying to find that rectangular venue, ten thousand capacity. Would you say? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It would be perfect for yeah. these sort of occasions, yep. and then use the bigger stadium for the finals and yep. things like that. Well, know. we've seen sides like uh, Bournemouth and, and Brentford. I mean, Brentford now have um, again. I'm not going to go down that Brentford path of uh, bashing them because. My thoughts on Brentford are well known. But, you know, Bournemouth, for example, when they were playing Premier League, their stadium's only 18,000. It's yet. not even that. Well, isn't it? No, it's 12. 12? <laughs> I thought it was 18. No, no, Bournemouth's only 12,000, Brentford's 16,000. So it just proves that... The new one? Yeah, yeah, the new one's only 16,000. I thought that, again, oh, gee whiz. Incredible, I'm, isn't I'm it? great at mathematics. I thought yeah. the new one was about 22, 23. No, I think it's only 16,000, Brentford's, because it's all one level. It's no, There's no two tiers yeah. and, uh, yeah... And that's why we have you on there, Jim. Yeah, Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm the English football ground nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think um, HBF at around 17, 18 is, is pretty good. I mean, yes, yeah. it's nice to be full every week. And, and, you know, it's been kind of between 10 and 12 for a while. Um, but it's got, you know, if, if Glory had a good run and got themselves in the top four for a while, I think you'd see the crowds naturally increase. Yeah. But the biggest thing that's highlighted is once that was out of action, we, we there was nothing. Yeah. And, and it wasn't as though people were saying, oh, why did you choose this? We could have chosen that. There was just absolutely no choice. Yeah, and I was, um, again, another naysayer on the home of football. If they were going to make the home of football, I won't say fit for purpose, but fit for purpose, then why make it 2,500? You could have made it. I mean, again, 10,000, maybe not, but... We could have made it a, a lot bigger than that. Yeah, yeah. Double the size, 5,000 would have would have suited the situation we have right mm. at the moment with Perth Glory. Um, but for whatever reason, that money didn't go to supporters' comfort for whatever reason. You know, like I said, they, they were thinking, oh, we can play um, the Premier League finals there, we can play all the cup finals there. Well, two and a half, even State League, mm. you're going to get more than two and a half thousand yeah. at those games. We've seen that. Um, so why not make it double that size? 5,000 would have been, eh, again, smaller than we needed, but double the size of what currently yeah. is. And, and, poten- and maybe there's the potential to, to increase stand sizes there. Hopefully. Perhaps I'm not, I'm not 100% sure of the spacing. But, yeah, again, you know, it goes back to, to I guess, football, football supporters' regular kind of lament about the lack of uh, government support for some of these um, projects compared to other sports. Uh, you know, I was looking at the funding the other day for football in Australia and... Right. 
we're, we're behind equestrian and a few others in the last couple of years and yeah. cycling and so on. So it, it is a challenge and, you know, they've, the Football West and, you know, the, the state government as well has tried to help out uh, in this current situation for glory. But, yeah, it, it is a little bit disappointing. Saying that, as you said, Macedonia Park, the atmosphere in a smaller stadium and it, it'll certainly be i mean there's more members than there are seats so it'll it'll yeah. be full enough <laughs> full it'll be a great atmosphere and, and for the players it makes a difference it just makes a difference yeah as you say 5000 full is better than a 20000 stadium that's only half full yeah uh, and uh, and i think ha- having taken some of my kids to a few of the uh, the women's the, the a league women's games years back at Dorian Gardens where they were standing right on the fence like literally touching the players that's yeah. actually quite unique these days i mean that's how it was back in the day but uh, it it provides a little different opportunity for the young kids to just feel really close like at at corners you can see the goalkeepers niggling the forward the forward standing on the foot yeah. of the goalkeepers you're right there and um I think that that's going to be quite exciting for some of the kids who get up close there. Yeah, yeah. I just think as well that with this this year, this was a perfect opportunity for the glory to go on the route on the road and not necessarily have one base. But but it just proves that the infrastructure at, at many of the grounds yeah. is not good enough. Mm-hmm. Whereas it would have been lovely for glory to yeah go to then go up north, then go down to Bunbury yep. and, and mm-hmm. travel around the state playing all their games. But we just haven't got the infrastructure yeah. to hold those. Both yeah, and, and and you know the the commitments with the Paramount Sports and so on. It just yeah, yeah it's just. They're saying no, essentially. So it was out of out of glory's control. But yeah, you know, exciting. And and there is, you know, there's big interest in football in the state. We all know that. So uh, be nice for glory, as I said. You know, have a have a good run this season. Um, they've finally. Got, I mean, I think it was round. Did they get it? How many home games last year? There wasn't many. It was about about round thirteen by the time they got one. At least we're yeah. getting one in round six this time. So. Yeah, well, that's right. So we have a chance to actually not be out of the picture yet yeah. and start getting a few With wins the women, on the board. It was only the one game. Yeah, yeah, yeah the women had one, and, and then mm. on the road again. So that's good news. I mean, they are playing at home. It's the uh, not quite the double header. That's a question I'm going to ask you, gentlemen. What's your views on the A League men and women playing on the same day? Are you for that or against that? Uh, a direct double header on the same pitch. A, a direct yeah. double header. Yeah, I'm mixed mixed feelings about. It. I think it has worked and can work. Right. I, I'd ask the players themselves. I've never played in one myself to right. be able to understand whether. It feels like it takes away from one or the other. I and mean, perhaps in this case, you know, whoever's the, the curtain raiser game might feel like the kind of intro game and that, that could take away from their sense. Yeah. But on the other side, then, if, if you're getting double the crowd you might normally, I, I think it's a great thing. So, yeah, I, I've enjoyed it in the past, but I, I'd certainly want to ask some of the current players to see how they feel about it because uh, uh, it is an interesting one. But, um, yeah, they, they certainly have considered it, but I think they've decided not to go with it for the last couple of years anyway in the A-League, I think. It makes yeah. it a long day to watch if you're watching mm. two games in one day. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Look at the World Cup. Some of us have been watching four games in one day. <laughs> <haven't we? laughs> yeah. Only four? What's <laughs> going on? <laughs> and, and, and it feels like you're jet-lagged half the time, doesn't it, with the times you're having to get up. So, yeah. it, it, I mean, if it's a nice, not a 40-degree day, but it's yeah. a nice day, yeah. it, it is good. As long as the facilities are there, so you can duck off for 10 minutes and go and get a cup of tea, go and have a small beer, maybe, or some food, yep. and not... But otherwise, you're just fully tracked for. It's a really good point about the weather because you know, especially in yeah. summer, if, you're, if you're having to play a game two hours earlier than you know even the the other match, that that can be unbearable. So yeah, it's a really good point. Mm. Yeah, no, and it's. Uh, uh, I was going to say it's good to have you boys in here because that's exactly the thing. Like you know, that that heat issue. What's your thoughts on the scuttlebutt going back to winter sports for our major leagues? 
Yeah, it, it does improve the, the quality of the game. There's, mm-hmm. there's no doubt about that the pace of the game on a hot day is, you know, 50% yeah. of what it would normally be. So it would improve the product. But, you know, I was playing in an era where we were in the winter and yep. we, we did not get, uh, you know, we didn't even page, you know, 10 pages back before you even got to the, to the yeah. soccer. We were drowned out by some of the bigger codes. So I've always, I've always supported the move to summer um, and probably still do for that reason. Yep. Um, but I, I, the frustration comes from the fact that the TV sets the time of the games. Yeah. And so, yeah, you get the odd hot one. But, if you, you know, for Perth having to play probably an hour earlier than if we had our own independent choice, we'd choose. Because it's a better atmosphere at night as well, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, oh, I think so. Football under uh, lights is just yeah, so special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And it always has been. Uh, you know, I refereeing those uh, night series games. And yeah, it, it, yeah, it's just a different, different atmosphere. And, and so I think Perth ourselves here, we, we kind of cop the, the rawest of it all yeah. in terms of in terms of the timing because we're having to play a little bit earlier than the others anyway. Therefore, it's warmer uh, and so on. And we get, I mean, you know, Sydney and Melbourne win, uh, summers this last couple of years haven't been exactly been warm either. So that's right. Yeah, I, th- I think we cop the brunt of it perhaps in Perth just due to the to the weather and the location and the timing. But uh, I, I still feel like it's the right thing for us in terms of the bigger publicity. But I'm, you know. There'd be many people who disagree, and they've got good points as well. Mm. Do we need to bring daylight savings back so there's only that? So <laughs> don't you, come on, Jim, don't you start that. As a South Australian, I cannot understand how the curtains fade here in Perth, but not in South Australia. Think of the cows. Think, think of the cows, cows as well. The cows. They, they won't the give milk. Cows. Come yeah, on, they won't give milk. Think of the cows. How are they going to get milked? Are the same way they always get milked. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't understand that. It's science. I mean, the, the days are longer because we're closer to the sun in summertime. It's, it's just, you know, it's the spinning of the earth. It's not anything to do with curtains. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, um, anything else you want to have a chat to before I go to a break and see if I can get this phone to work? Go on. I think it's a challenge. Cover me. Cover me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting on the break glass in case of emergency CD. Yeah. <laughs> we go back to the night games as well, and, and certainly with this, the local level at the State League, night games are so much more. Mm. I think a, a lot of grounds as well get more people going to night games. Yeah, you get, you yeah, get I think so. those floating sporters that will go and watch a three o'clock game, and then we'll go to a seven o'clock game in the evening. And mm. Yeah, yeah, which is, which is where, you know, for a long time, Glory's looking at its metrics of... of tr- Trying to work out how it can tap into the yeah. the huge numbers of people who play on a Saturday afternoon and Sunday afternoon, whether it's the amateurs, the masters, uh, or the state leagues, and and not get them to the games. Uh, frustrating, yeah. But yeah. but as you say, the timing can make a big difference there. Mm. Right. Okay. I'm going to give it a go. Thank you, gentlemen. We have Jim Webb and Vince Matassa joining your host Hugh Best here in the studio. I will attempt the first ever international call on the World Football Program on 107.9 FM. Jerry uh, from Celtic Ramblings, thank you very much for, for his help. He reckons it's as easy as falling off the chair. Yeah, well, if you hear that thump, that's me falling off the chair. So stick with us. Plenty more to come on 107.9, the World Football Program. 107.9 FM, your local station. You're listening to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. We are proud to be the longest-running football show on radio in Australia. Join myself, Penny Tannerhoe, Pete Skeller, Sean Kelly and Hugh Best every Saturday morning in the 10am to noon space. You will hear football conversations with a range of guests and gurus. The show lands as a podcast on our website and you can subscribe so you don't miss an episode. 
Thanks for listening in to the World Football Program. Oswest Fencing and Royal Iron is a fourth generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Royal Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www futsalwa.org.au
for the 1998 World Cup. And joining us on the line now, all the way from the US of A, is Zach Walker. Good evening, Zach. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Zach, it is my pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Before we start, Zach Walker, can you give us the Zach Walker story, please? Start from when you were first buying... Well, your mum was buying your first pair of cleats until where you are right now, please. We've got two hours to fill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, ho- I hope to not take up that much. Okay, yeah, good not, word. not that interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I grew up in, in Minnesota, a very cold, frigid northern uh, American state, um, which is primarily known for its hockey and American football. But um, at a very young age, uh, started playing, playing soccer. Um, played it competitively, was fortunate enough to get to, to travel uh, around the country a bit, um, and obviously then picked up Sabudio, which is how uh, Hugh and I met. Yep. And through Sabudio, was able to travel internationally um, and domestically as well. Um, that, uh, as well as soccer, led me to working in professional soccer, Major League Soccer specifically, um, for a short period of time, where I met my beautiful wife mm-hmm. uh, and uh, eventually started a family. And so... Um, the past 12 years, uh, my wife and I and two children have been living in Denver, Colorado, out in the Rocky Mountains, mm-hmm. uh, on the western side of the country. And, um, yeah, still very involved uh, in the sport. Um, play a few t- a few times a week in pickup games. Um, some competitive, some not. Uh, both of my children train and play regularly and competitively. And, and obviously, I'm a... Uh, an avid avid fan of the USA and a season ticket holder to the local MLS professional team, the uh, Colorado Rapids. So go, go you Rapids! Um, yeah, that's my story in a nutshell. <laughs> Fantastic. So you, you you've got it over there, mate. You know, come on. So your role at DC United, you were there for five years. Is that correct? I was. Yeah, um, I started out as an intern and then was fortunate enough to get a a, a full time gig. Um, and so growing up in, in Minnesota, where uh, soccer was not nearly as popular as the, as the coast of the of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an extremely exciting opportunity for me, getting to kind of live and breathe the the sport on a on a day to day basis, and and really during some transformative times in in the league's history. Um, Freddie Adu, if you remember that name, yes, we do. Uh, was a young phenom who, who who came to the league then for DC United. Um, David Beckham came into the league then, and yep. so we saw tremendous growth with the stadiums and the and the league and the, the, the ticketing and the support. So it was uh, it was quite an exciting time to be involved on the business side of, of the sport. Now, we here in Perth are having a little bit of an issue with stadium. With the franchise model in the MLS, is it, am I correct in saying that before you can actually be seriously considered for an MLS franchise, you, you need to have a, a viable stadium already in place uh, was that the case with um, into miami with with beckham's expansion side yeah well i think 
a good question. The, de- the devil's in the details, right? And right. depending on who you ask, you might get a different answer, to be honest. Yeah. Um, that, that is certainly the, 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 the company line, I believe, um, if you hear the commissioner, Don Garber, speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I think the reality is they, they want attention and eyeballs and big names. And so Beckham was a unique situation oh, yeah. in that when he came into the league, in order to attract him from, uh, from Europe, uh, they, they, I believe they offered him the ability to purchase an MLS franchise right, yep. uh, at, at any given point in time in future for only $25 million American dollars which if you look at the valuations of franchises now, um, I think Ralph Salt Lake just sold for $400, million, uh, is an absolute bargain. And so, uh, yes, I think there's absolutely a push for urban stadiums, um, but, you know, you've heard the rumors probably of Messi coming to Miami. I would imagine uh, if they get Messi here, there'll be a similar similar deal sweetener, (laughs) similar to what they did for Beckham. So is there any... Substance to that, or is it is it just rumors? Because we had um, just a few uh, months ago, well, weeks ago, really, wasn't it? When Ronaldo threw his toys out of the pram at Manchester United, he's got family that lives here in Perth. That he was coming to the Perth Glory for <laughs> the ridiculous amount of about five million, and I thought, wow, that I mean, it would have made him the highest paid sports person in Australia for, for the six months that he was going to be here. I mean, those of us that know football. And you've got three gentlemen and yourself on the other end of the phone that know football went five million. He's not getting out of bed for five million. Turn it up. He's hitting the snooze button for five million. Um, what what really is the, the substance but that Messi will go there? I mean, they're, they're friends, obviously, with their time in Spain. Do you see that likely to happen? Or is he taking the Qatar route? You know, I normally don't pay too much attention to these types of rumors. Mm-hmm. But when you start to see who's reporting it, that is, is when the, the ears perk up a little more. So I believe it was first reported by the Times out of London, which obviously is a pretty reputable um, <laughs> periodical. So so that right there gave it a, a little bit of credence. And I, I have it pulled up. It looks like they reported it first on uh, November 27th, so right in the middle of the World Cup. From there, um, all of the television rights to the World Cup stateside here uh, were given for the World Cup to Fox, which is a major over-air provider, uh, similar to a Sky, right? Yeah. Um, they then picked up the reporting of it. So to me, that led to believe there was some, some validity to it. And, and honestly, you know, David Beckham, for all of his pros and cons, however you feel about him, if anyone can get a deal like that done, I, I think it's him. You know, just with the pedigree and the relationships he has and the gravitas. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, if Messi continues to play like he did today and go on a run, he's going to have a lot more suitors, uh, you know, lining up, even though he has a ton already. So, you know, who, who knows? But, yeah, it, it certainly seems like there is some validity to those rumors Um from a journalistic standpoint, over on this side of the world. So. Well, Beckham did get the Higuain brothers to, to play for Inter-Miami. So uh, for us, I mean, that's huge. I mean, yeah. you know, once you retired to Inter-Miami, I was, you know, hello, Tony Sage, Gonzalez available. <laughs> Let's get him out up front for, for us. He would be an absolute superstar in the A-League. Uh, yeah, you. no, I, I mean, we, hey, if we were able to get Tim Cahill over here for a few years to New York, you know, why can't we get messy, right? Well, yeah, well, Tim didn't want to play in Australia. 
<laughs> Hi, it's, it's Vince Patassi. Sorry, one, I didn't one, mean to be up the first no, subject. One of the questions that we, we often have when we look at the, the MLS versus the A-League here, and obviously there's a lot of similarities in a very saturated market, is the game day experience. Uh, that's the one thing that we here identify as perhaps being the unique opportunity to sell ourselves to the rest of the Australian public compared to some of the other codes. The atmosphere inside a, a good soccer football stadium is incredible you look at the US MLS it really seems like these active we call them active fan bases you know with chainsaws and they really they find a theme for their team (laughs) and really milk it for all it's worth I was just interested to know was that was that organic that just sprung up was it something the clubs really dedicated time and money towards how how did that happen because it it doesn't seem to some clubs here have done it well others have no real unique aspect for their supporters I'm just interested how did it happen in the US yeah, good question. Yeah, yeah, great, great question. Um, I think some of it absolutely was organic, natural. Um, some of it was absolutely manufactured uh, by the clubs and by the league, to be honest, and was a pure marketing ploy. Um, you know, if you look at, if you look at, you mentioned the chainsaws. So, you know, there you're referring to the Portland Timbers mm-hmm. and the Pacific Northwest. You know, there, there's a lot more history in that side of the country than I think a lot of the world realizes between the Sounders. Yeah. And the White Cap oh, yeah. and the Timbers; the, those names, those clubs have been around, um, you know, for fifty plus years now, I believe, in some cases. And and there's a lot of of history there. They haven't always played at the highest levels. You know, they've come through different iterations of leagues, whether it was the old A League or the USL or NASL, um, or obviously now MLS. Um, but I've been fortunate enough to get to travel out to to Vancouver and to um, Seattle. And I can absolutely attest to the fact that there are some extremely knowledgeable, passionate um, fan bases out there that, you know, are quote-unquote proper clubs. Um, Now, now others might have a difference of opinion there, but, but yeah, there's definitely some history and legacy there, but there have been certainly some other, you know, manufactured um, rivalries. Um, you know, I, I think of like El Trafico, which is the galaxy in LAFC, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, that's a massive city and oh, yeah. it's worked. Um, so it, it, it's just such a different diverse country here and, and soccer landscape than most people realize. So, uh, it's hard to give, you know, a black and white answer. And, and have, has the league, um, allowed the clubs or, or sort of left it to the clubs to find their way through or has the league been very involved in trying to help create this these uh, rivalries and, and the themes perhaps around that's a good question um I, I think in some cases the league is starting to provide more autonomy to the clubs but to, to me they also seem more insulated and protected than they've ever been so you may or may not have heard of the United Soccer League, which is yep. the, the second level, third and fourth. Is that um, the one that the, the, the revamped New York Cosmos are playing in? Yeah, yeah, correct. Um, you know, they, their commissioner is pushing hard for relegation and promotion to really try to kick up the the, the competitive side and even the business side a, a, a level uh, a level or two. I personally am a firm believer of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think MLS sort of has established itself to be a type of American Super League, for lack of a better word. Um, But I know a lot of people would argue they had to do that in order to get the sport to continue to be sustainable and not fall by the wayside like NASL. So uh, 
that's it's a tough question to answer. I, I think MLS definitely still flexes its muscle and has some control, but certainly is is, is listening to the fans and providing some autonomy. I, I think um, you know MLS, in my opinion, really rules the show. Um, the U.S. Soccer Federation, I'd like to to say and think that they have all the power, but I think MLS has 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 really inserted itself and kind of been the, the, the driving force behind a lot of American soccer growth. And so, you know, U.S. Soccer Federation has had quite a bit of controversy and shakeup over the past couple of years. And, you know, what the future holds of, uh, of how they work with MLS and USL, that remains to be seen. But um, uh, the, the growth, regardless, at all levels, just continues to be staggering, certainly in the past 20, 30 years since I was a, a, a kid playing. So there is... The, the likelihood of relegation and promotion to the MLS is what non-existent because I would have thought that, as you said, with the the recent uh, selling of um, four hundred and fifty million, that that's money that you can't invest into a into a football club, and then a year later go, whoops, we've had a bad season. That's money that I've just pushed down the toilet. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure we'd get valuations. Um, we'd get valuations that high yeah. if they if they weren't as protected. Now, with with the case of Ralph Salt Lake, they they have a lot of prime real estate. They have academies. Ah, they right. have a first team stadium. They even have a second team stadium. <sighs> so um, I believe that's really helped them more so than others. But yeah, I uh, with, with with how much with how much money the league is making now as opposed to what it was when i was working in the league um it, I, I think there's definitely more to go around and more to share but at the same time if if, if you're making that money uh, and you're the you're the powers that be you know i, I could see them not wanting to relinquish control of that <laughs> given yeah. how successful it's been so can i go down a, a slightly different track the wmls used to be the destination league for a lot of the top-ranked female players. Now it's the English Women's Super League. What's the state of the women's top division in America at the moment? Yeah, I'll be the first to admit I don't follow the mm. women's league as closely as yep. the men. Um, I do have a six-year-old daughter who is a huge fan of, uh, of the women's national team and plays regularly, so that's helping me increase my awareness. Yep. Um, but the, the women's league certainly has struggled, I think, uh, to gain as much footing uh, from, a, from a marketing and professional standpoint as the men. They've had a few different iterations yeah. of leagues, but the current iteration definitely uh, is excelling. They've got good uh, television ratings um, and contracts with, I believe, CBS and on the Paramount streaming wow. uh, platform. Uh, you know, they're starting to get clubs in markets that really are investing in the women's game more so than the men's. So I think of the Portland Thorns as well. Portland has a men's and a women's team, and the, the, the women's team sells out just as frequently as the men. Um, the, the, the women's national team obviously is far superior from a success standpoint to the men's, um, but we're starting to see you know the rest of the world catch up a bit, which I think it is a good thing and will continue to help the sport grow here. Um, I believe there's more young young women than that played than men from a participation standpoint. So, you know, I, I think we're starting to see the game grow, you know, 
massively around the world. That's why we're seeing some of our top players go to Europe. And to me, that's a good thing because we, in, in, in many people's opinion, have led the charge in that. I'm not sure if you heard about the new collective bargaining agreement yeah, at yeah. the U.S. Soccer Federation. I was, was going to get onto that. Um, but that was a massive step forward in terms of revenue splitting and sharing between the men's and women's program. And I did read an article that said, with the men moving to the round of 16, yep. much like the Socceroos, congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Um, that guaranteed an extra $350,000 per player, uh, both to the men and to the women. And that's a, that's a tremendous amount of of, 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 of money now going into the women's game. And so, um, yeah, we're, we're losing some players to Europe, but I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing. Yeah, and I'm trying to find that article. I think we've seen the same article. But the, 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 the thing that really surprised me was that because the men got to the knockout stage, the collective bargaining allowed the women, the U.S. national women's team, to earn more money in that that little uh, blink of an eye than they had in the whole time that they'd won the you know, they're, they're full-time World Cup winners and and this particular collective yeah. bargaining went by the way because they've done so well here's more money than you've ever we've ever been able to give I, I find that just staggering that you could win the World Cup four times and yeah. still be putting your, 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 your cap out going please sir can I have some more yeah, I mean, it, it shows how far, you know, I think we still have to go when it comes to uh, equitability, uh, gender equitability across the, the sport, um, across the world. Mm. Um, but, you know, if, if we as a nation can kind of lead that, that discussion and that charge, I, I think that's wonderful. And that certainly is, is a position that um, many in the Federation and the greater soccer population uh, support. And so... Um, yeah, I hope I'm glad to hear that you heard about that, and, and hopefully it's making waves, you know, throughout the rest of the world, not just well, in Australia and in the states. Yeah, it certainly made waves here that we were 100% uh, supportive of, of that. You know, it, we at the World Football Program uh, have often said it shouldn't be men's and women's; it should just be football. You know, if if Australia are playing, yeah. we, we and Australians love a nickname, so we have the Socceroos and the Matildas, which is historically what those two teams have called the men and the women. But it should just be. As, as we've done at the start of the show, Perth Glory are playing two games tomorrow. Uh, and, you know, we don't need to say which one is which because we'd, we'd like to call it a sport. It's the sport of football. Get on down. There's two games this weekend. Turn up to whichever game you want to turn up to. But, yeah, it's it's amazing, like I said, that um, that that, uh, that collective bargaining, which we, we've followed here at the World Football Program, and probably not as good, as closely as, as America, um, obviously, but, yeah, we were very supportive of that. Now, with the World Cup, um, probably the same article you've seen. Will Berhalter be the US manager in 2026? Discuss. Ooh, I've, been, mm. I've been talking about that with a lot of my, oh, yeah? uh, my mates on my, 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 my KTO men's team that, mm-hmm. uh, that I've been playing on for a while. Um, Shout out to them because I know they're listening right now. <laughs> so lots of people stateside listening. Excited, so appreciate it. You're yeah. making me more popular than I should be. Well, um, it hasn't worked for me so far, but hopefully it'll work for you, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm kind of on the fence. Mm-hmm. Um, on one hand, given where we were uh, four years ago, not even having qualified for the World Cup, to now getting to around a 16, mm-hmm. you, you could absolutely argue that he deserves another four years. Um, 
what, what struck me most this World Cup was they finally brought in a lot of former players for the coverage here. Yep. And Carly Lloyd, who is the only American, to my knowledge, to win the Ballon d'Or, uh, came on the broadcast. Mm-hmm. And when they were talking about the round of 16, you know, she kind of put her foot down and said, we should at least be in the quarterfinals. Yeah. There, there's no excuse, you know, for us not, with, with the size of our country and the resources, to not be further along yep. than we are. And that really kind of stuck with me and still has. And so if you look at it from that standpoint, Greg has failed. Um, I think he definitely seemed to, flape, to to favor a lot of the European and the, the English style, in my opinion, um, hard-nosed players. Uh, I, I don't think we clearly had enough attacking flair and variety there. Um, and, and from that standpoint, he seemed to play quite conservative. Um, and despite that, we still, you know, um, we're a Christian Pulisic couple inches, yeah. post, you know, away from beating England. That's right. That was um, a great game. So I, I don't envy the powers that be at U.S. soccer for having to make this decision. I know it's going to be Brian McBride and Ernie Stewart mm-hmm. who ultimately make the call. Um, I'll obviously support them either way, but I can absolutely see arguments for uh, for, for giving them another four years, uh, but also going another direction. And there definitely seems to be a lot of debate, uh, even amongst former national team players, as to the direction that they should go. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd, be, I'd be curious to get your guys' take from that, from, so, from, from down under, and, yeah, and what you thought of the... His performance. I, I tend to agree that the, the glimpses we saw of the the best of the U.S. Uh, men's team in the in the World Cup suggest the quarterfinals should have really been yep. uh, achievable. Um, you know, against England, even against Wales, dominated for a lot of that game, and then just kind of fell off a bit towards the end as well through everything. But there seemed to be enough there to show that you're up there. Well, one of the criticisms that, that was mentioned after the loss. Um, the Netherlands was about perhaps the US having a lack of football intelligence. You know, it's all go, go, go. Uh, and perhaps to be able to evolve to the next level is to develop that intelligence. I was wondering, is that, is that a bit harsh? I mean, perhaps that's a reflection of the team that Ben Holder picked or, you know, perhaps that is the truth. And a comparison to Croatia, for example, who everyone says has got amazing football intelligence. That's how they win. Yeah, it's, it's funny you brought that up because I was watching that amazing Holland-Netherlands game yeah. uh, or Argentina game. And I was texting with a bunch of mates, and I was so ready to say, oh, Louis van Gaal, he just didn't adapt or adjust to Argentina. Because that was obviously the harsh critic that he gave to Greg and to us. Um, And I still said it afterwards because they ended up losing at the end of the day. But I think, um, you know, from my perspective, there's a ton of mental warfare and gamesmanship out there. And I think you're starting to see the rest of the world, certainly in this World Cup, catch up to the establishment um, mm. and the powers that be. And, and and Holland, I think, is one of those. They've never won a World Cup, but they've obviously been arguably the best nation to never win a World Cup. Yeah. So, you know, they certainly probably felt a bit threatened um, at, at these young, you know, upstarts from the U.S. So, you know, all's fair in true love and war, as they say, and uh, that's fine for, for, for Louis van Gaal making that statement. But I certainly am never going to forget that. Uh, and I look forward to the next time that we play Holland because, um, you know, when we get a result against them, we'll make sure to uh, make sure to let the, the Dutch population and Louis van Gaal and all his supporters uh, remember that quote. And I don't know if you saw it today, but clearly he's not making friends because Messi had quite a uh, confrontation with him on the sideline um, after the game. And, 
you know, that just, I guess, seems to be his M.O. this tournament is trying to poke poke the Bears. And so it worked against us, but uh, whatever he did or didn't do against Argentina clearly didn't work against them. So, so Zach, uh, Jim Webb here, just uh, fast-forwarding again back to the, uh, 2026 or forward to 2026, who are the players that haven't quite made that national team at the moment are the ones that we should be looking out for to make that team in 2026? Yeah, I think two of the biggest players that were the most controversial that were left off of the squad this year are Ricardo Pepe, um, a young uh, Texan who's playing over in the Netherlands right now, oddly enough, and he lost uh, an unfortunate wager to some of his Dutch teammates at that game. And then uh, (laughs) another player named Jordan Pifak, who is playing, I believe, for young boys in Switzerland in the Champions League. Um, and those are two strikers that arguably would have made a massive difference from an attacking standpoint um, this this cycle. So, you know, the, the only players we're really going to be losing are a couple defenders, Tim Ream, DeAndre Yedlin. Um, but those two players, if they continue to develop in Europe and, and they're getting goals, I think Jordan Peefock has scored more Champions League goals than any other American um, wow. in this previous cycle. So that just shows how surprising I guess it was that he was left off of the roster. If he continues at the pace he is, you know, continuing to play Champions League, continuing to get results there and presumably moving to a bigger club, 2026 could be prime for him. Um, But I would say those two, you know, we've got tremendous youth national teams coming through. um, But, but yeah, those, those, those two are are, are really the, um, uh, the better place. Chris Richards, uh, he's, a, he's a defender who came through the FC Dallas system as well and is at Bayern Munich right now. He had an unfortunate injury right before the World Cup. Miles Robinson, who was a stalwart at center back, another young defender who plays for Atlanta United, he unfortunately had a had a really bad injury leading up to the World Cup. So, you know, we, we certainly were missing some of our better players, like many nations were, but I think consensus is everyone is quite excited for 2026 and even before then, it sounds like we're going to get invited to 2024 Copa America. Yep. Um, and rumors are that Ecuador has withdrawn from hosting that. And so the U.S. might even be hosting the 2024 Ooh, Copa America. Wow. So I think everyone's eager to just get back competing again. <laughs> we're hungry for more. And Zach, we were talking about the, uh, the USL championship, which is that lower level. I'm probably quite sad because I watch a lot of those games on uh, on YouTube. I've got a little yeah. bit of a soft spot for Memphis 901 purely because I was there on holiday a few years ago <laughs> and actually did a tour of the ground and went in their club shop. There's some cracking players in that in that lower leagues that could make the, the step up quite yeah. easily. Do you agree? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, we've got the US Open Cup, uh, which is you know, similar to the FA Cup, and that's been around um, since the early 1900s. I was actually fortunate enough to be working for DC United in 2008 when we won the Open Cup over a lower league side, Charleston Battery. Um, This year, you saw a USL team actually make it to the finals and and, and lose, unfortunately, um, but uh, in Sacramento Republic FC. But I was going to say, the, the... there's there's more academies popping up um, at the at the lower levels. They're reaching farther farther geographic areas of the country. They're building soccer specific stadiums. Mm. I'm in Denver, uh, where we've got the Rapids, but an hour and a half south of us is another larger city named Colorado Springs, where our Olympic training center is. 
they have a team, the Switchbacks, who just built a 10,000 or 8,000-seat soccer-specific stadium right downtown. And and that team um, is is doing wonders. So the growth is is amazing. Um, It it is really an exciting time to be a part part of this game. And, you know, I look at my children and the opportunities they have to play this game. Uh, It's night and day from what it was um, when, when I was a kid. And so, uh, you know, you're seeing, you're seeing uh, Man City uh, versus Bayern Munich playing, you know, in front of 100,000 people at an American football Ooh. stadium, which to me I never thought I would see in my life. Um, the, sky, the sky's the limit. Just, you know, the more people that can get on board, the better. Mm. And, you know, we don't have it figured out, but um, I, I like our momentum and our, uh, our prospects. So with that uh, stadium development at Colorado Springs, that's not – planning for promotion into the MLS, is it? That that stadium would be considered too small? Yeah, that would probably be considered too small for MLS. I think they have requirements of 18,000 or more. Wow. Um, I have been to that stadium. It's fantastic. I, I believe there would be some room for expansion there to uh, add capacity to that. But no, I, I don't see that market as being uh, an MLS um, candidate. Uh, but like I said, you know, if, if one day, you know, the Federation decides to mandate relegation and promotion, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, teams that are going to be struggling, these quote-unquote bigger markets, because you've got some extremely ambitious, smaller market um, teams that, frankly, in my opinion, are going about it uh, the right way and perhaps a better way than some MLS clubs. So, um and I think I think that you know some of the the results we've seen in the Open Cup, the U.S. Open Cup, uh, show that. Yep. Now, Zach, this is the uh, part of the conversation I've been looking forward to. Your Superior journey, seven-time national champion. How many times uh, have I got that right? Or is it now what, fifteen, sixteen? How many? How many have you got? Going to have to go no, down the trophy cabinet. No, uh, <laughs> lucky, lucky number seven. I, I was, uh, I was uh, ten seconds away from. From moving into the championship this past October uh, by beating our current national champion Dan Cranston, who I believe you've met here. I've met but, Dan, yeah. You know he's a he's a strong young young bloke from from Maryland who uh, equalized with five seconds left oh, in overtime and beat me. And so, you know, as, as you know, Hugh Sabudio, much like soccer, is a young man's game. <laughs> and, uh, I'm looking forward to joining the veterans category uh, so that it could be a little easier. Yeah, you'd be able to put uh, a couple past me. I'm already in the veterans category. That's sensational. So um, <laughs> what bases do you use? Um, so so we uh, uh, have a hard time getting equipment, yeah. much like I'm sure you all do down under. Yeah, yeah. Um, the majority of the game is, is predominantly produced and distributed out of Western Europe, but uh, we've got an expat here who's, who's been here for 20-plus years out of Baltimore named Paul Eyes. Yeah, I know Paul. Um, yep. who, produce, who is now producing uh, American-made bases, and they are fantastic. So I have fully made the switch, put on my American Uncle Sam hat, and I am I am renouncing all European bases. i playing with American bases. So I'm playing with 3D Rev bases from Table Soccer USA. So. Lightweight or heavyweight? 
Um, I don't know the weight. Oh, <laughs> the Newcastle kid. He's, he's, he's oh, being cagey, Hugh. He's, he's being cagey. Yeah, yeah, oh, he doesn't I, want to tell I you. Don't, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't pay attention to those details. Oh, I just like to play and have fun. And, see, the, yeah. the, there's the I wisdom of the champ. That's why I didn't beat Dan. Yeah, the wisdom of a yeah. champ. I'm not telling you anything. <laughs> you can see me on the pitch and you no, can I don't, I mean, I, out I, the back I, of the net. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll tell you what, Hugh, what? Connect with me offline, and I'll weigh them, and I'll let you know exactly. Yeah. What I'm I don't know off the top of my head. So your Savidio journeys. Not being caged at all, mate. Yeah, no, so. that's all right. Your Savidio journeys. How, how far and wide? Um, so, so much like many people, you know, I grew up playing competitive soccer and wanted anything and everything to do with soccer. And yep. you know, a Dennis Burkamp poster was my first ever one. Wow. Tottenham being my first ever kit. I know. I don't I try to explain that. We're going to move all fan here. You need to be careful. We're going to move all fan in the studio. <laughs> yeah. My mother got me a Sabudio World Cup 94 set for yep. Christmas, and uh, I connected with the American Sabudio Association somehow and, and traveled to Washington, D.C. from Minnesota, which is about a three-hour plane ride. And when I was 16, I played in the, first, the national championships, and the rest was history. So I was fortunate enough to get to – to study and live in London and travel all around Europe playing and met a bunch of wonderful people. Um, and obviously I've traveled all throughout the U S uh, shout out to Benji Batten and yep. Ozzy from Melbourne. Yeah, we know Benji who came to Colorado on a holiday to go skiing. I got to play with him and his father. So it's, you know, much like the, the actual game soccer, it, it's a small global community and mm. it's a wonderful, um, wonderful community that, that connects you with a lot of really cool people. So that's, that's really what I enjoy. And yeah, no, I was just saying to the, to the boys off air that, Every chance I get, uh, I'm off to Singapore because the, they just love the game and, and play it in, in the fashion that it's meant to be played in. Um, that, that's, yeah, brilliant. I mean, I was saying to the, to the lads, like I was lucky enough to get to the Gibraltar World Cup. Uh, you having any thought processes of getting to the 2024 for the 75th anniversary of Sibiu uh, at Tunbridge Wells? Yeah, I mean it's it's a possibility. I've I've got a couple young kids, so yeah, it makes yeah. getting away from the nest a, a little hard to travel. But I'm trying to trying to convince my nine year old son to, to play Sabudio, but he prefers the the, the actual game rather than Sabudio, so which is fine. Um, yeah, I might might be making it over there. I, I think I'm going to Europe in May uh, on a family holiday, mm-hmm. um, and and have my eyes set on hopping over to Bologna for their major oh, in Italy in, yeah. in, in mid May because um, I've always wanted to play in that tournament. But yeah, my 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 European escapades are, are few and far between until the until the kids get a little older out of the house, and then I definitely would love to to travel. Um, I'm jealous of our friend, our mutual friend Brian Arnold. Oh yeah, going to be heading down down under in february for your tournament i think that's so cool i don't know that i don't know that we've ever had an american play in a tournament down there um nope. so i'm very excited to to follow his journey yeah so that's going to be at the australian grand prix uh, the first weekend of february in melbourne yeah and as like you say uh, zach as far as i know we've not had any americans come to australia so that's going to be absolutely awesome it, it's looking increasingly unlikely I'm going to be able to get to that particular tournament, which is disappointing for me because, yeah, having met Brian at, um, in Gibraltar as well, I mean, that, that's just what Sabidio is all about. I'm, I'm, I'm travelling to Gibraltar and I'm, I'm making friends with Americans while getting smashed by Italians. It's brilliant. <laughs> but everyone has a pint or a, or a <laughs> coffee or a pizza afterwards. Yeah, I, I that's think that, all that matters, I right? think that's uh, half of my travel when I was in uh, in Japan. So, you know, another Saki Huey? Oh, you bet. Uh, yeah, I was talking, uh, playing with um, 
Mr Thomas and he was uh, very, very happy because I got out of the, the group stage there at the Asian Cup in 2017. He was very happy to buy me another beer until I, uh, I would think, yep, no worries, over lunch. And then I realised exactly who I was playing in the next round. I went, oh, you cheeky bugger. <laughs> well, it, it's funny. We, you know, we talked about Louis van Gaal and, and some of those comments he made about Greg Berhalter. And I think a lot of that absolutely exists in Sabudio too. Yep. You know, everyone's chummy until you start getting a result or two on them. <laughs> and then they say, wait, wait a second. I thought you were here just to take a picture and have a pint. You're not actually here to, you know, to compete. So I've, I've certainly witnessed that in competitive table soccer, Sabudio. Um, so when I saw that from Van Gaal, that, that, that brought up some, some memories as well. So. <laughs> that, uh, indeed. Zach, we've taken up a fair amount of your time already. We thank you very much for, for joining us here on the World Football Programme. Fingers crossed I can get across to your lovely country and play over there. I was a COVID flight away from joining Brian Arnold in setting up the uh, Washington, D.C. American Nationals. Uh, at the next weekend... Was had my uh, appointment booked at the local flight centre to buy the tickets, and then they went, oh, I'm sorry, the world shut down. I said, Damn it! <laughs> I was that close. Uh, that being said, I was uh, the, the year before when you had the, the Nationals in Golden. I, I was going to do one of my world-famous um, fly, sleep, eat, flick, repeat, until I realised that... Uh, not only did I need a visa to get into the US, it was going to be at altitude. And people went, there's literally no way you're going to be able to play without getting acclimatised. So that's one of the things I hadn't factored into a Subutio tournament, that I needed to get altitude training. <laughs> no, I, I don't think it's quite the same as if you're playing actual, actual <laughs> soccer. But, but yeah, no, I, I think uh, that, that's... You know, we'll, we'll give you lots of water if you ever come out here. It'll, you'll be fine. Yeah. We'll give you the pint. We'll give you some water. But, yeah, if you if you come anywhere in the States, uh, you know, most people are just excited to have international travelers, and they'll they'll work around your schedule. Yep. They'll organize a tournament in your honor, yep. in your name. Um, so, you know, if there's a time of the year or a location that works best for you, don't hesitate to reach out, and I'm sure we could put something together. Yep. Uh, to, to, to welcome you. No, so that would be really cool. I hope, I hope we do meet in person one yeah. day. Now, we found that uh, around uh, around the world. It's certainly the case here in Perth, Western Australia, where we've had uh, visitors, whether they be international or interstate, you rock on up, let us know the dates, and we'll organise a tournament around your schedule. Um, yeah, on my wish list is to get to the Shrine and uh, and maybe get a, get a signature on that wall, but um, hopefully maybe around about 2026 when the World Cup's on. Zach, thank you very much for joining us. You have a great evening and um, enjoy the rest of the World Cup. Thanks. Cheers to you guys. Have Thank a good have a good day. Thank you very much. That was Zach Walker, Subudio legend and ex MLS backroom staff. General, what a chat that was. Good, wasn't it? That was all right. Sacramento, West Bromwich Albion did a um, uh, a preseason friendly. They played Sacramento, which is why I know about the the second tiers of American football, well, soccer. Uh, as well, so it, it's amazing how these things interconnect. Yeah, and just I mean, obviously, very interesting parallels with the Australia and the league, and not just trying to establish a league, but the the promotion relegation yeah. debate uh, sounds just as fierce there as it as it is here and will be for the next few years as well. So, well, before we get Molly Appleton on online, what what are your thoughts about that one, Vince? Because Zach was talking about a second and third tier, which was promotion and relegation in America. I know it's a you know there's yeah you know, what. 300, 350 million yeah, yeah. in America. So they've got, they've got the population. Yeah. But that, that, that's amazing that um, 
they would have second and third tier promotion relegation, but the MLS looks to be a franchise lockout. Do you do you see the the possibility of a of a second tier here in, in Australia? Your, your point before about the fact that these owners ploughing money into it. I never, you know, chickens aren't going to vote for Thanksgiving or turkeys or whatever it is, the US or the turkeys for Thanksgiving. It, it is, it's hard to see them ever agreeing to it. But, I, you know, I played a few seasons in some of the lowlies in England and a relegation battle is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If, if you survive, well, yeah. obviously. Yeah. And for supporters, yeah. Kids grow up in, in Australia and, uh, you know, watching AFL and the soccer here and, and the US perhaps, they don't, they don't quite get it. I try yeah. to explain to my sons about the, the relegation. If your team, as you guys have found, is on the line, wow, it's yeah. amazing. And yeah. I miss that. I miss that here. I, I want that here yeah. in Australia. That's why I we were the boing boing yeah. baggies. I mean, I'd, I'd regularly say, we'll take 17th in the Premier League every day of the week. Um, yeah. I'll take 17th in the Champions Championship every week. Yeah, well, yeah. that's well clear relegation. You're lucky there. And people go, well, that's, you know, you're kidding, but you're in the every game is crucial. Yeah. Every point is vital to get there. And we were counting, like, each game, are we are we points per game? Are we points per game? Oh, no, we're two points behind. How many games? And it was, yeah, promotion, relegation. Maybe. In so Australia, maybe. I'd like to see it. And, and, of course, you've got, you know, those traditional clubs. I mean, we heard Zach talking about some of the clubs in those leagues yeah. and even in the MLS actually have history of 100 years. Yeah. You know, we've got clubs here That's like right. that, but, of course, they're not in the A-League. So I'd love to see them have more high profile mm. and whether it's in the top yep. division or second. You know, there, there's certainly a lot, a yep. lot to Nick really Galatis was uh, big-upping yeah. South Melbourne again to, uh, yeah, to, to, yeah. to get them in. And, again, I when they were putting that third club into... Uh, that Melbourne Victorian marketplace. I was surprised that South Melbourne were overlooked. I don't know the the, the reasons and the political hoo ha behind that, but I would have thought if you were going to expand, there it is. You've got, you know, the history of that particular club, which you played against, yeah. Vince. Yeah, and Sydney United up in um, Sydney United. up in Sydney, who made the the FA Cup FA, final. That's right. <laughs> the similarity to the American you, you can Cup see. final. Exactly yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly right. And it was it, that that. Um, Development to to expand the the Australia Cup, mm. I think it might be called the Australia Cup now, uh, to all these low level clubs. It's fantastic, yeah. mm-hmm. and you know I'd love to see. You know, I think it was Coburn and uh, Armadale who got through yeah. the the external round this year. Love to see those WA yeah. clubs, you know, getting and up against was, an A League team. And yeah. that being said, Vince, it was uh, interesting to see the the differences in in the two leagues when Coburn, oh, sorry, when Armadale played Mobbury. You know, uh, I, this show in particular gave Armadale a big shot. And of getting past mm. Modbury. And then we saw how Modbury set up and how they played and went, ooh, wait a minute. Mm. But that's a that's a discussion for a different time <laughs> <laughs> because we could, we, we're going to get Molly Appleton on, uh, online and we can actually make that discussion with her. All righty, stick with us. Uh, you're with Vince, Jim and Hugh on the World Football Program. There is plenty more to come. Don't you change that dial. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. You're listening to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. We are proud to be the longest-running football show on radio in Australia. Join myself, Penny Tannerhoth, Pete Skeller, Sean Kelly and Hugh Best every Saturday morning in the 10am to noon space. You will hear football conversations with a range of guests and gurus. The show lands as a podcast on our website and you can subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening in to the World Football Program. Ha, yeah. 
can move a mountain, you can break rocks, you can be a master, don't wait for luck, dedicate yourself and you go find yourself. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron is a fourth generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsal.com futsalwa.org.au Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM And welcome back to Radio Fremantle's The World Football Programme. Joining us on the line now, all the way from Tasmania, is the Advocates reporter, Molly Appleton. Good afternoon, Molly. How are you today? I'm good. How are you guys? I'm big smiling because I can hear you and you can hear us. So very, very happy. (laughs) Molly, what's been happening in the world of Molly Appleton? Have you been seeing um, any games lately? Like, you know, the alley just started. We've been starved yeah. of football for a while. I right. mean, it's, it's, been, it's just been... Uh, there's been nothing to watch, has there? No, no. Just, I mean, it was two days no where game. I sat on the, on the couch going, I, there's no need to turn the telly on. There's nothing on. <laughs> <laughs> We've been served up a feast, haven't we, the last month or so? Yep. Where do you want to start, Molly? Do you want to go all the way back to uh, last weekend, uh, Australia versus Argentina, or do you want to go all the way back to my uh, heart pill moment of Australia versus Tunisia? Where, where do you want to start? I'm, I'm happy to go with either. I mean, Argentina's obviously pre- the most fresh in my mind, and she wasn't that a game. Yeah, yeah. And I've had a fair amount of the naysayers around my uh, particular world going, you're playing Argentina, you've got no chance. Um, mm. Are you sure? Because, you know... <laughs> If we man mark one particular player, which we didn't, and um, <laughs> there's a discussion for another day as well, should we have man marked a particular player? But his uh, his impact for 90 minutes was minimal, but the impact mm. he had for two minutes was just sensational. Yeah, I mean, and you look at Holland where they really tried to man mark him, mm. uh, Messi out of the game, and he still ended up pulling out a piece of genius that you just go. How the hell yep. did that happen? Sure, Van Dyke could have done better with the with the forward. I can't remember who the other team forward was now who scored, but you know, Messi had two, three, four defenders around him, and he still thread the needle, and that was ridiculous. So, um, you know, that's just what you what you come up against. But I mean, we were in it to the last seconds, weren't we? With with that last shot by. Um, I'm going to butcher his name. Kiel, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Kiel. Yeah, Kiel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, we were discussing him off air that uh, he you know, had already signed for English Premier League Giants, and I say that with a huge smile on my face, Giants, Newcastle United. <laughs> but uh, the possibility of him actually playing for Newcastle United is very, very limited because with 
Brexit being in play and the English game, he won't have the points at the moment to be able to play in the English league. So they're likely to be farming him out to um, either La Liga or uh, the Belgian league. Do you think that's a good move? I think so. I think anything in Europe uh, is a good taste. I mean, of course, I think there's a lot to be said for, for uh, still playing in the A-League. I think um, the, our whole World Cup just shows that, you know, it's a viable pathway and sure there might be things to fix up, there might be things to still do and to make it more accessible to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's a valid pathway and our level, you know, you had Craig Goodwin, he was our best, he was our best forward. Yeah. Um, and he he plays for Adelaide. Like, you know, that sort of stuff where you just go, they're in our backyard and, you know, the A-League's doing good. It's not just all players who have started in Europe. Um, but having said that, I think, obviously, uh, he's a special guy, um, Chul. So I think, um, I think yeah, it's just exciting to, to see someone, you know, heading to Europe and, and likely to... Um, make an impact, even if it is with one of the one of the littler clubs uh, that Newcastle farming yeah. out. So yeah, they're pretty pretty still... tiny Newcastle, you know. They're, <laughs> yeah. you know <laughs> a speck on the northeast, aren't they? You know, it's a good point though as well. Oh, with, um, you know, it's been a while since Australia have had a, a player in the mm. in the Premier League. I mean, yeah. Aaron Moy was there for a little bit, maybe not hugely high profile, but no. you know that that has a big difference to. A lot of the people who jump on the bandwagon occasionally having to see that in the Premier League, and you know he looks one of our best chances actually in the coming years, doesn't he? To, to but he does, that. yeah. And we've uh, we saw you mentioned Craig Goodwin that the uh, A League kicked off last night with Melbourne, uh, sorry Brisbane Raw one, Adelaide United one, and they were lamenting the fact that Craig Goodwin was unavailable. They were saying that the, the biggest miss for the Adelaide United team last well again last night was that we were missing one of our best players, and and that says a fair amount, not only of the talent of Craig Goodwin, but also the ability of the A-League to, to keep some of these um, players. I mean, Matthew Leckie banging in goals for fun in the A-League. Um, of course, he's, um, his role at the World Cup fully utilised? I'm not sure. What, what do you think about Leckie's role at the World Cup? I mean, I th- he, he produced... He was, was he the one who scored against Nick? Yes, Hill, he did. Maybe? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he produced when when we needed something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think there's always going to be space, especially um, you know most countries and, and teams. You're always going to have lots of lots of wingers, lots of wide forwards uh, that can play that role. And you know, you go, oh, have they played the right role? Have they have we picked the right one? That sort of stuff. Um, but I think Lecky did his job, and like I said, like he scored against Tunisia. It almost doesn't matter. What else happened? <laughs> um, you know, we got the goals when when they when they were needed. So I think, yeah, I think um, you know, just based off that goal, and he looked busy a lot of the time. Um, the person I, I did that did really stand out for me was uh, I'm going to butcher his name again, but Booker Booker. That's not how you say it. Um, but he started against Argentina in midfield and just brought the energy. And it was oh, so back, Kieran Backus. Kieran Backus. Yeah, young Bacchus. fella. Yeah, Kieran yeah, Backus. Sorry. Yeah. Another one um, who came through the A League. Yeah, yeah, he, he mm. you know, was born was born in South Africa, but he but he played and all his junior times in Sydney and came through the A League. And it's yeah, as you said, the the fact that the A League have have had these players stand up on the world stage. It's a huge rap for the A League. Um, it's really good. It's great to say. It's almost. Uh, in some ways, mimicking uh, what's happened with with the women's and the Matildas, 
where you've got a lot of players who who started in in Australia and you know cut their teeth in Australia and you know have either moved on or or um, are still here even like there's lots of different stories behind that but I think it's really cool to see both on the men's and the women's and I suppose probably the men's is, is more prominent because of you know how the golden generation of 2006 oh, where no one no one was I, I use that tongue in cheek but um, you know no one was playing in Australia for, as far as I remember definitely not the starting 11 and the ones that made the impact they were all playing you know in Europe so I think it's really exciting exciting to have that and to be able to see that in our backyard and I think uh, the A-Leagues have jumped on going you know we can we can watch these World Cup players in our own backyard and and turn up and, and watch them and support them. I think it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, it is. Now, you mentioned um, the American League. We just had Zach Walker on and we were talking about the the WMLS and what I perceive to be the demise of that because of the, the improvement and maybe it's more down to financial improvement of the WSL in England. Now, we've got a lot of our... Uh, Matilda's playing in that particular league. One in particular that came from Perth. What's her name again? Um, oh, start, starts. Uh, it is it? Yes, uh, yes. Uh, Sam, someone. I can, can't, Sam Kerr, Ballon d'Or winner. <laughs> Sam Kerr. Um, do you do you see that good for the Matildas? I mean, we've got um, you know the, the moving last game, away from it, America into Europe. Yeah, instead of taking that pathway mm. to America. I mean, I know we've got a few of uh, the emerging Matildas coming through the college system. Mm. In America, but is that where they should be? I mean, we've got. Um, Sta- I think um, oh, Carpenter, Ellie Carpenter, uh, coming back from her knee reconstruction, playing in, yeah. in, in you know, yeah. Champion League winner. I mean, that that's yeah, the highest you can get, really. Yeah, um, I think with the, the way that um, I think it's a mix of things, especially yeah. once we've got. Um, Gustafsson and the European as coach and that is bringing different tactical ideas um, which require you to be really good technically and like have both be technically sound and tactically sound and I think you get that a lot more in Europe than you do traditionally in America it's it's coming but traditionally the Americans have been fast, quick and strong um, and they can score goals that's pretty much been been the key. Um, they've had some great forwards, which is really rude. But anyway, um, I think that going over to Europe is a real, really positive. Considering I think traditionally Australians, especially uh, I, at least I used to find it through youth systems. You know, you, you pick your biggest players, you pick your fastest players, um, and a lot of that's still carried over. You look at someone like Razo and a couple other players where you're, like, you're super fast. If you didn't have speed, would you still be on the pitch? Probably, but mm. there's obviously a different different take on it. But her going over to, to England, to, to Everton, you know, she makes a real impact over there and um, just gets... I think it's just an opportunity for the Matildas to round out their game a bit more than perhaps America. But then having said that, America for someone like Emily Van Egmont's probably not a bad move because it just gets her moving a bit more faster sometimes and, and thinking a bit differently. She almost would suit a European team a lot more than, than the Americans, even though she has, I think she's, I don't think she's been to Europe too often, she's usually in America. Um, so I think it, it's obviously it's player by player, but I think on the whole, it really rounds out, 
round, it's an opportunity to round out our players, which is really exciting once we get them back. Yep. Apart from when we have to travel travel them down so far and everyone's a bit tired and jet-lagged, I imagine. Yep. It's almost like we did some research there, uh, Molly, <laughs> because we didn't. But I was going to bring up uh, Emily van Egmont. In the recent games against Sweden, she mm. was she wasn't in the starting eleven. We've got uh, mm-hmm. the, a midfield of Gori, Lozano, Amy Sayer, and um, uh, Elise Kelman Knight. Now you've got a player with over 120 games for the Matildas, 30 goals from midfield. You're thinking, well, that's not mm-hmm. bad. If I can get a midfielder that can put in a goal every yeah. four at an international level, why is she not a regular starter? Why why do you believe? Or why do I believe I, her, her position's uh-huh. in doubt? Because I don't think we definitely don't get her at her best at holding, and let's face it, that's where we've had troubles, and that's where Gorry's really come in and gone. No, nah, I'm I'm playing you in your pivot for that six. So I think it's almost a double six sometimes to play with that six slash eight role. Yep. But Gorry's come in, and, and you just this is the first name on the team sheet, maybe apart from Sam Kerr at the moment. Um, so I think also she's almost like Caitlin Ford where you play Emily Van Egmont in the right spot and you're going to get goals you're going to get assists you're going to get things that are really exciting but she probably plays a similar position to Caitlin Ford when they're both on point in terms of almost that second that second striker and with that you've got as I just said you've got Caitlin Ford and you've got Mary Fowler and then when Kai Simon's back you've got Kai Simon for that yeah. so suddenly you've, yeah. you've got um you know, four players that can play that number 10 almost role just just off Sam Kerr through the centre really well, um, which is really exciting, but you can only have one on the pitch. Um, and Caitlin Ford's obviously been really, really strong um, with with Arsenal and, and with the Matildas when they're in town with Sweden so and Thailand. So I think um, whilst I'd keep definitely have Ben Egmont in the squad, definitely a really good impact player off the bench. Um, there's a really strong argument that she's, she's not starting at the moment, unfortunately. So it's almost like shades of Tim Cale in 2018. You, you can't leave mm-hmm. him out of the squad, but you can't put him in the uh, in the squad either. It's like, well, yeah. hang on a minute. <laughs> but, but, I mean, you're talking... FIFA fantasy football there, like four number tens. What that's a midfield you wanna I'm not going up against that. Four Messi's on the field, turn it up. <laughs> you don't need defenders to put on attackers, that's yeah. fine. Yeah, I want wing backs and centre uh, centre backs who <laughs> just ball winning and taking it up the field to, to four number tens. Crikey. <laughs> is um is is Caitlin Ford an example of as you were saying, someone who the way the the English league has improved technically mm. and tactically we're now seeing the dividends in the way, certainly how she played recently. She seems a, f- she seems a far more rounded player than she ever was, oh, yeah. you know, five, six years ago, which is really exciting. It is really exciting. I think having said that, though, it's almost as if she's found some of the form that she was with Sydney FC for a little while there, just before she went off. Mm. And confidence um, plays a big part as well, no doubt. <laughs> I think confidence, but also I think she's come out going... I had a proper off-season. Yeah. Um, and if Europe means that we get proper off-seasons, then farm everyone off to Europe. Um, <laughs> you know, and if that's the result, they get a proper off-season. And we've seen the same with uh, sticking with Arsenal, not a Matilda, but she was down in Australia recently, uh, Miedema. Miedema, yeah, yeah. Who was like, I needed a rest. Mm. So 
you know, talked to club, talked to country, had a couple of weeks off, and she's now gone three goals in three games. Yeah. Um, Caitlin's helping with the so. assist there, though. That's, uh, you know... You're gonna, oh, yeah, it's huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's all Caitlin. Yeah, right, it's all Caitlin forward. Yeah, someone else can bang in the back of the net. I'll take the glory, thank you very much. If it wasn't for Absolutely. me... Absolutely. The Messi of Australia, Caitlin Ford. No? Sorry, Sorry what was that? The Messi of Australia is Caitlin Ford. I think she's got the potential to be. Mm. Definitely. She loves those tight passes. She loves playing off players. Um, and that's why on the wing, I think, especially uh, how the Matildas have played in the past with the wingers are really isolated and the goals just to whip it in. Like, she's got an okay cross, but it's not a Steph Catley cross or an Ellie Carpenter cross. Yeah, like, right. it's not, you're not putting your money on it going, that's going to hit Sam Kerr's head. Um, but you will put your money on. You've got Caitlin Ford through the middle. She's going to find Sam Kerr wherever she is. Um so, yeah, I think there's definitely similar similarities to, to draw upon them and she should play a similar position to what Messi does play as well. Yep. So, Molly, have you been keeping up with the uh, Women's European Champions League? We've got uh, Chelsea on top in Group A ahead of um, Ellie Karpner's Paris Saint-Germain. We've got Group B, uh, Wolfsburg, the, the perennial winners of everything, Wolfsburg on top of that league. But Arsenal in Group C uh, ahead of uh, Juventus, Lyon and Zurich. That's and Carpenter's with Leon there. So She's in Leon. Oh, I yeah. can always get it wrong. No, right. no, that's right. That's right. It's, French it's teams are French teams. They're all the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not Paris Saint-Germain, it must be Paris FC. That's, that's all there is. There's only two well, sides. Well, Leon are the Paris Saint-Germain of the women's <laughs> side. You know, if you stop around, in a sense, with, with their history and winning, winning titles. Yeah. So Paris Saint-Germain are the Leon. Of the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, the other way works too. And we've got Barcelona. Uh, but that, that's the Group D, that the Barcelona current uh, holders of of the, uh, the trophy are on nine points. Bayern Munich are on nine points. Benfica are on six points. I mean, that's a... That's a tight group, is it? And then you've got Rosengard. So whilst they're on zero points... Yeah, poor old Rosengard. They're, they're a good team. I know. They can still nick a point off someone here and there. So, yeah, I mean, Barcelona losing to Bayern's a, a big one, um, obviously. Otherwise, I think the English teams just did what they had to this last week. Um, I mean, Chelsea, they only needed a point against, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Real Madrid. Yeah, um, with that being an away game. So, you know, a point's not bad. The goal that they conceded it was pretty not crappy. the best goal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As a goalkeeper, you kind of want to go, go into hiding and, and burn your goalkeeper shirt just to... Um, Vince has got the smile on his face. He hasn't seen it, but he, he, he's, he's got flashbacks of a couple <laughs> growing up. He's got, oh dear. I blame the defenders on that one. Hospital pass. No, that was a defender all along. Why? <laughs> I was just colourblind for a moment. Um, and, then, and then, yeah, Arsenal beating Juventus, which um, obviously, you know, the in charge at Juventus. So you kind of do want to see them leak from Leon, but. Um, whether that happens or not is obviously a different different matter, but um, yeah, they just I think they just got the job done, which is good to see. I mean, English clubs haven't always done that in Europe, particularly on the well, both men's and women's. Yeah, yeah. Let's be honest, but um, well, don't talk to a Man City know. fan. They'll tell you something <laughs> different. They're, they're the champions <laughs> of Europe. So a Millwall. Molly, with them. Um, with the upcoming games with the with the World Cup, how, how do you see them going? Because there's more than a few that have got Morocco 
getting past Portugal now that uh, Cristiano Ronaldo has thrown all his toys out of the pram and realised that he can't get sacked from the Portugal national side um, <laughs> and uh, can't, can't squeeze him for a, a couple of million either to, to leave. Do you, do you see that uh, turmoil in the Portugal camp affecting them with that uh, quarterfinal coming up? Um, I don't, like, it's, it's twofold. I don't think that's going to impact how they play, but I think Morocco is really interesting because they play really similar. I don't watch heaps of them, but the bits I have watched of them, they play really similar to what their women's team did in the mm. African Cup of Nations and just soaking up pressure, soaking up pressure, and then super quick wingers to go on the break. Um which is really exciting. I'm not sure if Portugal's defence will be able to handle that. So I think there will be there'll be goals. Um, and you know, I think just just for the love of it, I think you know, if we got Morocco through, if we got Croatia, and we've already got Croatia through, I think it would be really special to have those two, you know, smaller nations um, make it through and. You know, have a shot, have a shot in the semis. You don't know what happens in the semis. Anything can happen. Oh, so that's right. Um, it's all that interesting yeah. observation that uh, that no team had generally made two good performances in a row. And obviously, with Portugal having won, was it six six one last game? Yeah. There's no chance against Morocco. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> that's <how it> is. <laughs> yeah, that's the theory. I enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but if you have a look, at it is lined up for a Messi Ronaldo final. It is. How how amazing would that be? <laughs> Well, I'm really hoping it doesn't happen. I don't think I could go. Much of the world will be very much one side or the other, I think, uh, on on who you prefer. But, uh, yeah, Morocco, Morocco, if you look at their results in the last 12 months, they've only conceded, I think, two goals in about nine games. And and I think a a year and a half ago, they went about 10 games with only one goal. So they've been good for a while. And some of the, I mean, players who have been in the UK, you know, in the Premier League, the greatest league in the world, who haven't really set the world on fire, like Ziyech or um, uh, Buffal is the other one, who yes. was, you know, they look amazing. <laughs> yeah. They would be signed right now by the same clubs for double what they paid. Yeah, it's, it, it is, when you see a player playing for his country like that, and you know, well, they've had a bit of a checkered club, it, it just, it, I love it. It just shows you how much it means to their country, and they're probably getting a bit more freedom as well, but the passion mm. that they're showing then and there, and, and you know, I, I love watching that. And what about the... I mean, you just... Sorry, Molly, go sorry. I just I was just going to fall upon my favourite um, soccer player, Harry Suter, and how he went from, you know, coming back from a knee injury mm. to four games where he would arguably have been our best player, player on the ground. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think um, that definitely that country and that extra extra incentive really does help certain players. Now the other quarter final, we'd be remiss of this not to get into that one. England versus France. So what oh, are we looking for? Nervous. Six all after extra time, and then what? Thirteen, fourteen in the penalty shootout. Well, what's happening there? Oh, don't let it get to the penalty shootout, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Why not? It's worked so far. It's pretty certain if it goes that's to a penalty, France are going to win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll just end up on the phone to my dad and we'll just say it would be a nightmare. Um, not for the best reasons. Um, it's going to be an interesting game, though, really. It really is going to be an interesting game. So, I mean... England's tried to keep it really tight in the back, but obviously you've got Harry Maguire back there, so there's only so much they can do. Oh, 
dear, dear. Oh, true. You hear that noise? That's all the Manchester United fans turning off. Come on, Molly. They, oh, I'm the, a Man United fan. I'm you know, I, I think the Man United fans are quite behind that, to be honest. <laughs> the greatest centre-back England's had since Bobby Moore, turn it up. <laughs> allegedly. Uh, uh, you, allegedly it's not the greatest centre-back since Kenny Sampson. Most, <laughs> most English supporters you ask about how they're going to go, and, and it is partly the not expectations, are like, yeah, I don't got no chance France will win, France will win. And I know that part of that is kind of, you know, not trying to set expectations. But the English team yeah. is amazing. Mm. I mean, the talent on the bench and Jude Bellingham. Uh, yep. I mean, it's not Unreal. like it's not like he's an unknown. He's been playing Champions League for Dortmund, but mm. within a couple of years, he he will be the best midfielder in the world on this trajectory. He'll be better than De Bruyne. He is wow. incredible because he he passes mm. forward. I yes. mean, there's so few midfield. I mean, they love the sideways pass, and I think Australia did a bit too much of that, albeit we didn't really have a lot of choice. But, <laughs> but Bellingham has stood out for the fact that almost every one of his passes is forward, and it's about how he, how he receives the ball and so on. Oh, it's, he's amazing. So I'm really looking forward to him play. Yep. Uh, that, uh, yeah. With um, Raheem Sterling going home for family reasons, that's, he's, back. Uh, he's back again. Yeah, he flew back. Yeah. Flew back in, he so he's yeah. available. He was doing it for frequent flyer points, wasn't he? <laughs> yes. I thought it was a family crisis. No, hang on a minute. I can go back to England, get some fish and chips, and come back in. in. <laughs> that Qatari food's awful. <laughs> the, the other, the other question that we have to get you answer there as English sports is: is should should it be the three five two, the three four three? I mean, do you double mark Mbappe? What, what's that Southgate do? I definitely think you need three centre backs. That's not even a question in my view. Um, which I don't think he will play three centre-backs, but I think we need three centre-backs against France. It's how they've been playing. Um, but I think even the biggest thing is not even the formation. I think it's going to be, um, is Gareth Southgate willing to be a bit risky with subs? And he usually isn't. Um, so you kind of just hope that the game doesn't come down to, you know putting on your best, like, taking a bit of a risk with your subs because I think England will lose that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if he suddenly decides to be a bit risky with subs and take a chance, I think it could make, it'll make a much more entertaining yeah, game. And yeah, and, England, and, you know, England f- have the depth on the bench. You know, you've looked really shone in the oh. uh, 50th or even half time instead of waiting until the 70th minute. Um, so I think... You know, England's bench will play a massive role whether they get on or not. Well, um, to, to, to yeah. put, it, put a stats out there, and you know I hate stats, but England and France have the worst shootout record in World Cup history. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's brilliant. That. Yep. England have won one penalty shootout. They beat Colombia 4-3 in 2018. We all remember that one. I don't. <laughs> I must have slept for that one. But they have been beaten three times, including the 2006 quarterfinal, the 1998 round of 16, and everybody, oh, go on. Italia 90. Yeah, the semi-final against Germany, 3-4. The one, the one thing in England's favour there, if it does come down to shoot, if you look at the two goalkeepers, Lloris has had better days. I think he's well and truly mm-hmm. passed it. And Pick, Pickford, yeah, I mean, he's pretty good at penalties as well. He's, he's got a presence. I mean, not everyone likes the way he carries on, but he does have a presence, <laughs> and I think that's part of it. And, I, I, yeah, I think if it gets penalties, England will do it. Wow, and you heard it here first. Well, uh, I don't want England to do it, mind you. I should put that on record. Yeah, I think well, well, thank you very much. That's what you want to hear. <laughs> Molly, anything else you'd like to uh, tell? What's been happening in the uh, world of Molly's football rants? Anything in particular? 
I, one, uh, of, one I was going to bring up to you, and I know it's because we've got a bit of time before we get Tash Rigby on, mm. was the controversial, um, and apparently it was controversial, decision by the AFLW to not wear white shorts again. My club, West Bromwich Albion, had made that decision at the start of this season mm. um, in the female side of things because pr- traditionally West Brom wear blue and white stripes, white shorts, white socks, and they were, um, mm. the, the ladies' side went to the management and said, look, you know, we've got an issue, and they went, no drama, let's go blue and white stripes, blue shorts, mm. white socks. Now, the AFLW, and we don't like to pick up the AFLW, has decided, uh, I think in, in, in perfect sense, to say white shorts no longer. You can you can wear whatever colour shorts yeah. you like, and and away we go. Do do you see, you know, particularly a, a team like England who play white, white, white? Mm-hmm. Do you see that happening? Um, I hope so. I yeah. know that there's been a few of the English players speak. I don't know if they spoke, spoke out directly about the England kit, but mm-hmm. definitely they spoke out about you know period anxiety and that yeah. sort of stuff. Um, yeah, hugely. Like I think it's I think it's a really good important move and I really hope that uh, clubs listen. I mean, oh, quite often I think it's behind closed doors yeah. almost that yeah. teams will go, yeah, we're just not wearing white shorts. The men's might do that, but we're going to throw our away games or whatever. We're going to wear a different colour shirt, short, and that's just understood off, you know, not off record, but, you know, unofficially. But I think it's really important to make those things official and to make it clear, especially to set a standard for community, community sports where... You know, you're 13, 14, you're wearing yeah, white shorts. Yeah, exactly. You really don't want to oh, be doing yeah. that. Or you're even younger and, like, you're, you're 11, even 10, 11, 12, and, like, it's this new thing and you're having to play sport and you're just worried that you're wearing white shorts and you're probably still playing with the boys because it's still under 12. Um, so I think it's, yeah, it's a really good thing to move, to set that, set that standard. And I think ho- hopefully, you know, all sports take the lead and, and follow suit and yeah I think it's something that's building momentum you know obviously in the UK there's been a couple clubs West Brom mm. and I think there's a couple clubs with other clubs as well by yeah. memory but yeah it's good to see it happening in Australia and, and made official good well that's a that's a positive note to finish our chat on Molly I thank you very much for joining Vince and Jim and myself we uh, thank you very much for the time that you give to this program and we hope you have an excellent Christmas and we look forward to chatting to you in the new year sounds great catch you guys soon thank you very much that was Molly Appleton the advocates reporter all the way from Tasmania talking all things football how cool was that good chat yeah yeah. Yeah, I just read in Man City or the other team that have uh, gone away from the white shorts yeah. as well. So uh, I yeah. think there'll be a time when it, it won't. Well, and the, the time is well, well and truly passed. Yeah, definitely now. And it should have been some time ago. Like I said, West Brom were uh, probably not the first, obviously, but uh, the first one I noticed about that. Um, yeah, interesting. As Molly said, that just that anxiety to, to take that away from the love of sport and Again, I, I did mention the other major code in this in this country. It doesn't matter what code. If you can take that anxiety away from player participation, it's got to be a good thing. I've just got the EOK. Tash Rigby is available, so that's sensational. We're going to go to a break, and we will have Perth Glory captain Natasha Rigby on air very, very shortly. You stay with us. You've got Vince, Jim and Hugh in the studio for Radio Fremantle's The World Football Program. Stick with us. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 
You're listening to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. We are proud to be the longest-running football show on radio in Australia. Join myself, Penny Tannerhoth, Pete Skeller, Sean Kelly and Hugh Best every Saturday morning in the 10am to noon space. You will hear football conversations with a range of guests and gurus. The show lands as a podcast on our website and you can subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening in to the World Football Program. Oswest Fencing and Rotine is a fourth generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Rotine. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. And welcome back to Radio Fremantle's The World Football Programme. You've got Huey, Jim and Vince in the studio and joining us fresh after training is Perth Glory Captain Natasha Rigby. Good morning, Tash. How are you today? I'm good, thanks, guys. How are you? Oh, we are sensational. All the better to be hearing your lovely voice, Tash. How did training go? Yeah, it was really good, thank you. We are fired and ready to go for tomorrow. Exciting, having our first, oh, our second home game, sorry, against Melbourne Victory. So, yep. yeah, it was good. So, how did you find the revamped Macedonia Park for the game against Adelaide United? Yeah, it was amazing, honestly. When we first walked in on match day minus one to do our session, the whole stadium was painted purple and it really felt like for the first time we had like a really proper home ground advantage and the field itself was like absolutely phenomenal so yeah really excited to be back there again a proper home ground now if only there's uh, three yahoos in the studio that spoke about a proper home ground for perth glory We've had uh, Tony Sage on the show previously. He was talking about getting a boutique stadium. One of the, the apparently there's one in Sydney ready to be shipped, but obviously there is shipping costs and uh, purchase costs and a ground to put it on. Which you know, uh, maybe one day, very very shortly, that uh, he and uh, and a certain uh, rugby uh, dollar man get together and we can have that rectangular, sports-specific, proper home ground. Tash, the, the crowd that was down there um, last week, well, not last week, the weekend before, they, they made some noise. They did, yeah. It was so awesome, honestly. To be back in front of our members and fans and, like, more importantly, our friends and family as well was mm. so amazing after being, obviously, in the hub last year. It was awesome to be able to have people cheering for us for once. So, yeah, we'll definitely look forward to that again tomorrow. 
So, again, it was a pretty tough result to take. I thought the Glory bossed that game, yet Adelaide, you know, steal an early goal and then go, let's just put 13 men back on the uh, on the touchline. It was... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> no, I mean, our, our second half was really, really yeah. good. Like, we were really proud of that. And we definitely had more shots than we, um, I think, have ever had. So that was really positive And take that away was good. But, yeah, our, our first half, unfortunately, I just think we took a little bit too long to build into the game. And we were punished for that, as Adelaide did. They were they're an amazing team and they um, are very clinical. So... Yeah, they obviously got that goal early and we were unable to mm. un- unable to chase the game. But I was proud of the girls' performance and uh, particularly the second half was a lot to take away from that. Uh, Tash, it's Vince here. You, you talked about being uh, fired up for this game, the girls. is And, and the, some of the comments made by your, your coach earlier this week, Alex, about uh, perhaps needing to be more aggressive mm. uh, in the tackle and, and closing down. So has, has that been a real theme for yourselves this week? Yeah, definitely. I think we had a values meeting at the beginning of the season and one of our key core guiding principles is relentlessness and we can definitely be like stronger in terms of our heart and our our physicality. So I think we're, we're trying to be on the front foot as much as we can and we really tried to implement that in the Newcastle game and it really paid off. We were really aggressive in everything we did so we're looking to carry that forward into victory this weekend as well. And so is that, is that the mindset that you need to develop in the week or is it about the, the pre-match speech? Which, which do you think is most important in terms of bringing that intensity into the actual 90 minutes? Yeah. Oh, I think definitely at the beginning of the week. So we usually have a review, obviously, after the, after the game and then we try and kind of set our sights and our goals from there and then carry that through the week so that when it comes to game day, it just kind of comes naturally as muscle memory. OK, now we've got uh, that mouth-watering match-up of uh, Kim Carroll against uh, Chidiak. How do you see that going? Yeah, that would be really, really good. Um, Kim has obviously been in an awesome position in terms of the fact that she's been called back into the Matildas. It's yeah. awesome to see her back in there. So, yeah, she's a bit of a, a menace in midfield, but I have no doubt we'll be able to um, get on top of her. Good. That's, oh, there's the positive attitude that uh, Alex was talking about. Now, with, uh, with the victory... Not not doing as well as they can. I mean, I know they won their last game. Uh, time to uh, sink the slipper, you know. With what are we talking? Two, yeah, three, no, definitely. 15? I think we had a good game against them last season. It mm-hmm. was awesome to be able to um, get the three points away from home, and that was a big one for us. So we're hoping to kind of carry that momentum through with this game. But like you said, like kids and like Kayla Morris and Melina Ayres, they're all players that deserve a lot of respect. They've been oh, yeah. in the A-League women's competition for a long time. They're really good players, so we just need to make sure that we are switched on from the first whistle and we carry that through to the 90 minutes. But yeah, like you said, we've been um, I think we've had some really good success, particularly with Riley Basin in the Newcastle oh, yeah. game. She's scored two absolute bangers, so hopefully she can put a few more away this weekend. Yeah, well that's, uh, yeah. How are the Americans settling in? Yeah, really well. Like, have Sierra back after last year. Mm-hmm. She's just such an incredible player. She is an amazing nine and she's so good at bringing other players into the game as well as we've seen. She's been able to have two assists already in the season and then G and Riley, they bring a professionalism and an intensity to the to the um, to training sessions and to the game that we really, really need. So yeah, they've been phenomenal both on and off the pitch. Now, it'd be remiss of us not to talk about one of the uh, the favourites here at the, the 
station. Uh, Hannah, I mean, what a game she played last home game. It was oh, unbelievable. How long do you think it's going to be before she's called up to the Matilda squad? Yeah, <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> yeah, she she is. She obviously had her experience in the um, in the World Cup this year and yep. absolutely loved it. She was thriving there as well, and she's been um, like she's exploded back into preseason with us, and it's just been so awesome. She's such a an incredibly like consistent, strong, and like creative player for us. So we're so grateful to have her and. Yeah, we moved her back into 10 last game and she yeah. really came alive oh. there as well. I feel like that's just such a natural position for her. So, yeah, it's, it's been awesome to have her um, up, move up the field again because she's so good at like creating those attacking, attacking prospects for us. Now, Vince, goalkeeping. We've got uh, Sarah doing excellent in, uh, in between the sticks, but uh, how's Morgan going? Is she, is she handling the... the well putting on the pressure onto on Sarah because, you know, I'm pretty sure Morgan came back thinking that she would be, I don't know, not the first penciled in, but the first choice keeper. And then Sarah comes in and, and obviously the two of them must be super competitive at training. Yeah, honestly, like both of them are, are incredible players on and off the field. Mm. They're so professional in everything they do. So, yeah, Morgan is amazing. She's been performing really well as well but so is Sarah. And yeah. so I think they've just been really respectful to each other in their approach as well. Like they, they have a lot of respect for one another. They've both had really good experience in um, previous seasons as well. So yeah, it's just been, it's been good because both of them push each other to be better. And that's exactly what we want in our environment. How, yeah. how do you feel about the squad depth this year compared to previous seasons? And it's been a few weeks in now. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely have, um, some really good depth this season. I think we were really good to keep the core of the group around from last season and only add in areas that we needed. We've seen the players brought in who can play that real out-and-out winger position that we, we lacked a little bit of last year. So it's been awesome to have the players that we do have and the players that we have on the bench are just as amazing as the players we have on the field. So it's, it's great to see the intensity that they bring. And we don't really call them subs, we call them game changers because they come on and they change the game for us every single time. Yeah, and uh, that's uh, one of the initiatives that Alex brought in, wasn't it? But they're not subs, they're game changers. Exactly right, yeah. As it should be. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, Never has that been more evident in the World Cup we've just seen. Right, I mean, the number right. of games that turned on the subs, and that's I think that's a great way to look at it. Times, 100%, yeah. exactly right. And and that's right, like when you are sitting on the bench, you want to be on there so bad on the field so that when you come on, you're literally giving absolutely everything and 110% of yourself and it shows, doesn't it? Unless you're Cristiano Ronaldo and you just go, oh, I'm not coming on, you can, uh, I'm going to take the boots off. <laughs> controversial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, of course it's controversial. It's me talking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tash, thank you very much for joining us. We know that uh, you're fresh off the training uh, field and we don't want to interrupt your recovery there. Thank you for joining us. Uh, you go strong tomorrow and go glory. Good thank luck, you Tash. so much, Good guys. Thanks for having me. No, it's been our pleasure. Thank you very much, Tash. All the Bye. best. Ta-da. And that was Perth Glory captain Natasha Rigby, fresh from training. And as I said, uh, we thank her and Perth Glory for allowing her the time to do that. Obviously, you would know... Vince, um, that recovery after a training, particularly on the eve of a game, is crucial.
Yeah, the club gets nervous sometimes when it gets close to a game about letting players off the leash too much. But yeah. Tash is a, a, an excellent professional and um, does a great job as captain and inspiring for the team. And you, you just hope that uh, Glory can, can get off the mark with a win and that, that'll kind of put that season back on track, I think. The longer it goes, yeah. there's still time, there's plenty of time, but the longer it goes without getting a couple of wins, the confidence will start to, to lag a bit. So... Full steam ahead yeah. tomorrow uh, for the girls and hopefully they can notch that first yeah. win. Well, they've, you got, took... they've got three of the next four games at home, so That's right. it's a great spring ball tomorrow, mm. isn't it? For exactly a, right. For a lovely Christmas and New Year period. Yeah, and talking to a West Brom and a Millwall fan, we, we, we've been in that. You know, the longer it goes without a win, the, the more nervous it is and uh, the likelihood of the, uh, well, in our particular clubs, the, well, mine in particular, the coach getting the, uh, the boot. Luis Enrique getting the boot. Spain sack him. Yeah, I mean they they were. Really? I mean Jeez. they haven't really evolved since 2012. That's not all him, but the same flaws in their game. I, I think it. I think I read somewhere, you know, of their 80 percent possessions and you know, 3,000 passes. Some total over their four games was nine shots at goal. That, wow. that is unbel- That is that is qu- quite clearly. No matter what you think about how well they play, that that just can't be right. No. Something's wrong there. Yeah, nine shots. But that being said, <laughs> both Jim and I are doing the old eyes rolling back of the head, going, "Yeah, that's right. They hadn't had too many shots." No, yeah. no. But it's the same as this Germany as well. Didn't get out of their group. Well, now that that's and, and that's two World Cups running now. Yeah. And well, yeah. I, I'm an Italy fan as well, so don't you worry about the last two. <laughs> <laughs> Now, we've uh, got a couple of minutes to go, so we'll go through some uh, uh, games that are coming up uh, in the A-League as we uh, touched on. Brisbane Raw 1, Adelaide United 1. Games coming up today is the Knicks versus the Western Sydney Wanderers. Sydney FC against Melbourne City. Perth Glory will be playing tonight uh, against Western United down at Macedonia Park. And tomorrow we've got the Central Coast Mariners against the Newcastle Jets, the F4 Derby. And then we, as Zach was saying, some of those derby names are just, <laughs> well, they make me giggle every time I hear them. And MacArthur FC versus Melbourne Victory. Anything stand out there apart from the glory game for you gentlemen? I think uh, Wellington at home is just, you know, well, I suppose for us it's such a long way to go, isn't yeah. it? That you, you, I always expect Wellington to win at home. Yes. Despite the fact they probably don't. But <laughs> I think it's purely the, the seven-hour flight that that we would have to do to go and watch them that's, yep. uh, yeah, Wellington. But I think it's quite an open league. And those players returning from the World Cup, how tired. I think the next few weeks is going to show, and it's mm. like those like foreign leagues where yep. I know it, like the EPL's back on Boxing Day. Yeah. So they, yep. they've literally got a week yeah. to recover, whereas yep. a normal World Cup you'd have four, five, six weeks to go. Yeah. I think the second half of these seasons coming up across all leagues is going to be really interesting. Yeah. One of the interesting points that come out of uh, last night's game was the Adelaide United players going, look, we had a six-month pre-season, we played a handful of games, and then we had you know, the best part of a month off again. Yeah. Mm. How do you expect that to impact on not only the games that we're going to be seeing, but the player management as well? That it's Surely it's a, it's a recipe for disaster. And as you say, Jim, EPL playing at a, a higher pace... And with, you know, dare I say it, higher skilled players, to, you know, what, the what, yeah. One of the other factors people talked about was there, there's going to be players, and I guess we can think of a few now from penalty shootouts who not only are tired but probably feel like they've cost their country um, progression yeah. in the game. And meant the mental side of things is going to be huge for some of them. I mean, Lukaku, who where is he? I think he's gone back to Inter Milan at the moment. Yes, I mean. Yeah, yeah. 
You can see him taking six months to recover from that that last game. He had. Well, so he took six months off when he was at West Brom. <laughs> <laughs> That's not really true. So yeah, I, yeah, physically and mentally, for some of those players who didn't do well. On the on the other the flip side of the coin, including some of these A League guys coming back, they're mm. going to be buzzing. I mean, they'll be exhausted. They ran themselves into the ground, but you know they'll they'll feel like they can walk on water for a few weeks. So yeah. Matt, Matt Lecky, you know these guys, Goodwin, we're going to see some great uh, great play from them. I think in the in the EPL, the scary thing is Haaland's had a month off. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah. and uh, he's going to be fit. I, I think he had some niggles. He's got over those with surely. And uh, yep, yeah, I think it's quite scary that, that those players that didn't go to the World Cup are going to be hot on form. And the January transfer window that comes up, which is always a bad time to buy players, it seems. That's I right. I think it might be quite a popular one. So mm. teams can buy players to. And and for from an Australian point of view, we might see a couple of the Aussies yeah. uh, being picked up by bigger clubs. Certainly, Harry Sutar has been being talked about yeah. a lot. But even some of the guys up in Scotland who who perform pretty well, um, there's a chance they'll they'll be plucked, perhaps to the Championship, not necessarily the Premier League. But I think it's exciting for them. West Brom will have anybody we can get. Uh, in the uh, W League, uh, we've got uh, games coming up today. It's Canberra United against the Knicks. We have Melbourne City versus Newcastle Jets. Sydney FC against Brisbane Raw and the games tomorrow. Western Sydney Wanderers against Adelaide United and the game we're all waiting for. The four o'clock kickoff down at Macedonia Park, Perth Glory versus Melbourne Victory. Again, gentlemen, anything there we want to discuss? We've had a bit of a chat with Tash about that one. Oh, one thing before we leave. Arnie. Now, he, uh, like Tiche, the Brazilian coach, said, my cycle's up, I'm happy to leave. Two questions for you both. One... Are we happy for him to leave? And two, who do you see as a possible replacement? Is there anyone better at the moment? That's the thing you've got to Well, you I mean, you should Ke- really Ke- only leave to Kevin Muscat says Kevin Muscat's better. Kevin yeah, <laughs> yeah but Muscat's a, Muscat definitely would be a chance. Perhaps we we'll go to Millwall for a, for a well, step up after he is. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. I can imagine. Club legend. How many legs did he break there? I, I, I mean, I unfortunately was on record a couple of weeks ago before the Tunisia and Denmark game saying, I think Arnie's had it. We, we, yeah, <laughs> we yeah. won't win a game. You and me both, Pro- Proven wrong. But I, I still think if you look at Graham Arnold's reign as a whole, the last two games and even against Sanchez, were, were amazing. The guys ran themselves off the ground. That doesn't reflect his tactical acumen over the whole two, three years, and even prior to that. We've really, during the qualifying, we struggled to change games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, fair play to him. I don't know whether it was his assistants or he listened to or watched other games and decided, I'm going to change. That was not how he normally managed games. Fair play to him. He did a fantastic job. We overachieved. But longer term, I, I think tactically was where we, we lacked. And, and you know, look at look at the way we played. You know, we were fighting off one or two shots at goal a game yeah. against superior opposition. But that's that's not necessarily a way forward for Australia. So no. I'd be quite happy to see a new coach. I think it's a great time for him to finish as well because his, his stock went from, you know, mixed emotions to... Aussie legend, <laughs> so I think I think it'll be good, and we'll we'll see where it goes. As for young Aussie coaches, yeah, I think there's uh, people like Musket and Aloisi, or probably yeah. and Popovich, maybe a couple of years off. I think Popovich might be the one who's had the most experience. He's been in the Asian Champions League, and perhaps it's his turn. With the other two, maybe a little bit more time. But, Do you think Popper's style yeah. of gameplay, which is the high press, wing backs, uh, can that be? Transferred to the international game. It's, it's almost the in vogue thing at the moment, isn't it? So yeah, I don't, I don't think. Well, from what I've seen, I think that his style of play probably could suit an international team. But mm. it's whether whether you get that. It's, it's the age. Club, players from different clubs have got to, 
they've got to gel quick in those tournaments. Davidson back for the Australian side. And we, we have got some exciting youngsters coming oh, yeah. through who are not in the top leagues yet, but they've been in the Ollie Roos team that Arnold... And another you know credit to Arnold, he did give some young guys a go. He did. And that's, that's actually one of his strengths. So... I think in four years' time we could have some exciting players and a guy like Christian Volpardo who would have been sitting there watching the World Cup. Yep. I tell you what, I bet he's got a lot more to think about now than he did a month ago in terms of who he might choose. So, I, you know, I, I reckon it's, it's really looking positive for the next, the next three, four years and the next World Cup. Brilliant. On that note, we will wrap up the World Football Program here on 107.9 FM. Many thanks to you, Vince Matassa. Many thanks to you, Jim Webb. Thank you for joining me. Uh, I love being... Uh, Someone with mates, you know, the amount of times do you lovely listeners out there have heard Huey with Johnny No Mates. Uh, I'm sure you uh, are very happy that he actually had some other people talking with him. And we thank Molly Appleton, we thank Zach Walker, and we thank Perth Glory and Natasha Rigby for their contribution to the show today. I would also like to thank our partners, without whom this show wouldn't be able to go to air. We thank Futsal WA, the biggest and best futsal, futsal competition in Western Australia phone Greg Farrell to register your team in La Liga. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron for custom steel and aluminium front fencing and gates and gate and fence hardware WA for all the materials, hardware and automation you need to set yourself up. So many thanks to those sponsors. Gentlemen, as I say, thank you very much. Len is here with Bags Groove. We will be back next week. Maybe not me. And I can hear you all cheering out there. Thank you very much for that. You keep it locked to 107.9 FM Radio Fremantle. And we will catch you next time. Bye for now. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.